This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon and welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik. 10th of November is Genetic Counselor Awareness Day and uh, it's observed every year on the second Thursday in November. So in conjunction with this particular observance, joining me today is Yoon Sung Yi, Certified Genetic Counselor and President of the Genetic Counseling Society of Malaysia. And we'll be discussing why genetic counselling is becoming increasingly important in today's healthcare. And uh, hopefully she will also share the path towards training more genetic counsellors to meet this increased demand. Hi So Yi, how are you today? Hello, very well, thank you. And thank you for having me here today. So um, perhaps we can get started on that particular note that I mentioned, genetic counselling. And in fact, a step uh, as part of it is genetic testing becoming increasingly important and relevant today. Why is that so? Well, partly it's because of um, technological advancement. And um, in the recent years, there have been leaps and bounds in how um, using genetic information has helped in many, many ways. So the technology itself is advancing very quickly. What that means is that we're able to find out a lot of information from our genes and our genome uh, and at lower cost than it did before. So 20 years ago, it would have cost a million maybe US dollars to uh, sequence a human being. But you can now do your entire genome and have it read and sequenced at you know a, a fraction of that cost. Mm. And... In a sense, because it becomes uh, easier to screen our genes and our genome, there is a lot more data that's coming out of it. And this data, if interpreted correctly, can be so useful in so many ways um, for treatment, for risk management, for identifying individuals who may be at risk. So that itself has really caused a huge leap in the use of genetic information. Mm. So when you say this this genetic data, how much of it do we know that's linked to certain diseases and or even risk of developing certain diseases? What kinds of information can you glean from my genomic data? What can you tell me about my life as it you know spans the years ahead? Um, so there, there are various ways to look at our genome. So uh, there's a lot of um, evidence to certain, say, single genes where we know if these genes have an alteration or a genetic change that has caused it to lose function, then we know that it's associated with a risk of certain disease. Uh, those are, say, for single gene diseases. And I mean, just to give a uh, general impression of genetic diseases, there are more than 7,000 types of known genetic diseases in human beings. And that is what is known, right? And that's actually just a fraction of how much of the genome that we actually understand. Then there are many other conditions that is a combination of some of our genes and some of the other factors, our environmental factors, that it's very important to whether or not a disease actually happens. So the understanding of our genes not necessarily will tell us exactly what the risk is and 
in some conditions it can, but uh, in some conditions it can't. Um, more and more so, people are looking at traits. And what we mean by traits is, you know, um, would I be you know, putting on a lot of weight by the time I'm 50 years old? Or should I even have done uh, athletics instead of, you know, academics? You know, things like that. But these are complex traits. And there are pockets of evidence to say that certain genes are related to certain traits. But again, because these are complex traits, it's not necessarily only dependent on our genes or the information that come from our genes. So it's, it's really important to know why we are doing a genetic test in the first place, uh, for what reasons, and what is actually available in terms of the evidence that gives us the information from the, uh, the genetic profile, for example. So in terms of where we are today with the science as well as the technology that's available for it, I presume when it comes to certain single gene diseases, is thalassemia perhaps a common enough example I could use? Yes, so it's very well um, evidence-based. We know what happens with the, the outcome if someone is a carrier and so on and so forth. So we know how to manage the individuals who are carriers and those who are presenting with the symptoms. So that is a, uh, an example of where genetic testing would be very important for the individual and family members and in pre preparation for family planning, for example. Mm. So that's, an uh, that's a very good example. So the next level would be uh, diseases or conditions that arise as a combination of genetics as well as as you say, other environmental factors, right? So where are we with that? To what um, extent can we go for a genetic test and, and come away with some sort of uh, assurance? So there are other um, conditions. So for example, cancer. Cancer is complicated because it's multifactorial and multi-gene involvement, right? So for one particular cancer, it may not necessarily be because of one single gene. But even if you find um, the genetic cause, that may not be the only reason why the cancer has happened because you have um, the other confounding, the other factors that may have caused the expression of the genes. Right? And finding the genetic variants that may lead to an increased risk to cancer, for example, um, is an increased risk. It's not a fully, what we call, a fully penetrant uh, variant, meaning it's not 100% the cancer will occur. So when you have um, increased risk, that also means different things to different people. So your understanding of what high risk is may be different from my understanding of what high risk is, right? Mm. So that's a lot of a perception that's involved, which is why understanding the information from the genetic profile is extremely important. So I think what's happened is that there was such a huge uh, advancement in the technology. So we are able to generate lots and lots of data. But then there's a gap in interpreting this data and presenting it in such a way that general uh, population is able to understand it in the correct context and to use it in the correct context. How do we interpret and understand it? Um, because I presume it's not just a matter of rocking up to a um, health facility and saying, um, I want, you know, a genetic test 
and then walking away with those results. Where does the role of somebody like you, a genetic counsellor, come in? Yeah, so that is actually a very good question and that's a question everyone should ask before they do a genetic test. So why do it in the first place? What is it that you want to achieve when you choose to do a genetic test? Is it for a treatment option? Is it to make medical decisions? Is it to understand uh, certain conditions that you may have found in your family or yourself? Is it because you're generally just worried about risk of disease? Or do you want to know more about your ancestry, for example? Or if you want to know more about, you know, whether you need to have additional um, vitamins or so on. So all of these are different reasons to do the test. And because they are all to achieve different outcomes, then it's really important to go to the right place to get the right genetic test done. So in Malaysia, we do have clinical genetics services um, in uh, the main government hospital. So you have it in Hospital Kuala Lumpur, you have it in University Malaya Medical Centre, HUKM, HUSM. You have it in private centres, you have it in Cancer Research Malaysia for cancer. You have it in some of the private hospitals as well. So even in Penang now, we have it in uh, Hospital Pulau Pinang. Now, these are clinical genetic services, meaning they will assess and they will recommend what is uh, a good option to test, what sort of genes to test and to focus on um, finding the information that you're looking for. So presumably because those are in clinical settings like a hospital, it's because somebody has come in with a suspicion of a condition. Is that right? Then you do a test to rule out or to confirm. Yeah. So most of the time that's the trigger to... Uh, assess and to see whether you can find a reason for certain conditions um, that you may have or someone in your family may have. So, And that would be the best place to do so. So if you suspect that you may have a certain condition that is genetically related, then please do seek the advice of a um, genetics uh, service centre. Right. So that's important. Now, if someone is just interested to know about their genes. Yeah? So it is possible to actually now just to order a genetic test online and so on. But it is uh, important to be very careful um, to know what you're ordering, where you're sending your genetic uh, material to because you don't know how the information is going to be used. But more importantly is when some of these um, reports come back you may not be prepared to see some of the things that are in there. Uh, in some cases, it causes a shock or, you know, some regret in some way because it's found something that you are not prepared to know about or could not understand. So because, like I said, the sequencing or, you know, the technology itself is not difficult, but it generates so much data. And whether this data is used correctly or put together in a correct interpretation, that is in somewhat lab-dependent as well. So a lot of the uh, medical decisions, if it requires a genetic test, it does need to come from a established diagnostic lab that you know is certified, for example, so that we know that the whole process from sampling, from doing the genetic um, 
test itself to down to the reporting and the interpretation of the data then becomes um, trustworthy in that sense. So anything that is to do with a medical decision or when you're planning for risk management. Risk management meaning if you need to do certain steps for prevention or for early detection and that has to do with your health and your disease risk, that also should come from an established laboratory. Mm. So um, is it right to say that I could... um do one of these online tests thinking that it's all fun. Um, maybe look for some of those traits um, that you mentioned. Um, can this tell me what kind of diet I should eat? Or am I more predisposed towards certain, um, I don't know, IQ type or something, right? And I could get results that instead tell me something like a risk of cancer. Is that right? Yes. So it's very important because um, these tests should already tell you what they cover. So they can cover, say, lifestyle screening. And I say ancestry is actually very common. Um, Sometimes they have a category called health risk. So just be aware what is included in health risk because sometimes it gives you, say, you know, your risk of not just cancer, but even things like Alzheimer's and so on, you know. And that really needs to be interpreted quite carefully. And the data itself needs to be evaluated if it's actually um, uh, correctly... um, processed in a sense mm. yeah. yeah so the traits and so on you know it, it's a fun what we call entertainment genetics i mean it, it's fine and if it makes a person uh get into a healthier lifestyle sure that's great but if it's associated with you know just a word of caution if it's associated with you know a package deal where you're supposed to take a whole lot of supplements mm. based on that profile then again please speak to your doctors because it's always important to check um what you are ingesting what you are actually taking so even though they call it supplements and so on do 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 have it reviewed by your own doctor before you start on any of these um uh, uh, plans. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, I still want to find out more about you know what a genetic counselor uh, would do uh, in situations where um, clinical genetic testing uh, perhaps is uh, required, or even if I do sign up for one of these online tests and you know I find something that perhaps I just you know I need to know more about. How do I find a genetic counsellor and um, what would that discussion with the genetic counsellor look like? I'm speaking to one right now, Yun So Yi, <laughs> Certified you. Genetic Counsellor and President of the Genetic Counselling Society of Malaysia. So we'll come back to continue the discussion right here on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. My guest today, Yun So Yi, President of the Genetic Counseling Society of Malaysia. We're talking about genetic counseling in conjunction with Genetic Counselor Awareness Day held on 10th of November. And I think the very fact that there is such an observance every year tells us how important the role of this professional is. So that's exactly what I want to find out from Sook Yi today because we've already looked at how the advancements in medical technology have brought us to where we are today that we've identified 
more than 7,000 genetic diseases. Um, but of course, that's probably just the tip of the iceberg. We have the ability to single out these genes in a person or the genetic mutations that may lead to the development of these diseases or increase your risk of developing them. And now, um, you know, presumably if we have these tests available, we can access them. How do we interpret and um, apply the results in our lives? What will it mean to us? What? How would it change um, perhaps our lifestyle or perhaps have to determine that uh, we have to go for certain treatments? Uh, you know, how would it look down the road? And I think that's where a genetic counsellor uh, comes in to help clients understand what they're looking at with their genetic data, right? Now, how do I even find a genetic counsellor, Sogi? Um, and what do you talk about with your clients when they come to you with uh, this genetic information? Right, so thank you for your question. So, yeah, we've been... We've been called a rare breed, you know, but uh, we we are a growing breed in Malaysia. So so there are um, nine practicing genetic counsellors now in Malaysia. Um, there is a Masters of Genetic Counselling course in uh, University Kebangsaan Malaysia in UKM. And uh, that is an ongoing course. So we will have new trained uh, genetic counsellors that um, will graduate every year. Now, we've also... That's, that's one of the reasons why the society was set up. So Genetic Counselling Society Malaysia has uh, come together uh, um, in a sense, it has put together all of the genetic counsellors, the trainees and the clinical geneticists as well. So um, the whole idea is to have a society that can oversee the use of genetic information in a responsible manner in the country. So um, GCSM, in short, uh, can be a one-stop centre for anyone who is keen to find out more about finding a genetic counsellor that's near them, a genetic service that's near them and so on. Mm -hmm. So we've also been doing a lot of outreach. We work, um, in a sense, uh, with two... Uh, Areas So with the Ministry of Health, um, in order to try and get the engagement and to have the formal recognition of um, genetic counselling post in the government system to ensure that, you know, we are able to support the use of genetic information uh, for all patients. Yeah, so, so that there's a wide reach of them. So... In the private sector, we do see uh, genetic counsellors already, but we hope to see it very well established um, in the Ministry of Health hospitals and in the university hospitals as well. Mm. So that's that's one way of actually getting more genetic counsellors to be accessible to the public. Um, so what we do as genetic counsellors are literally sort of like a translator but a translator of genetic information. So we will assess to see, um, based on the reason a genetic test, whether is or is not required, what would be the most appropriate and to select the right test so that it can answer the question from the beginning, you know, for the individual, right? And what do you do with the genetic information after that? So we liaise with um, many um, disciplines across the medical field to make sure that the follow-up 
and the support, both from the medical component and also the psychosocial component is provided for all who requires it. And this may not be the individual who tests and find out for themselves their risk, but also family members. And in Malaysia, family dynamics are often uh, complicated. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that we are able to incorporate all of these in the decision-making for the individual when it comes to genetic testing. Is it necessarily something that every individual will have to take action on after they have this information? Does it mean that my life will change? My outlook will be different? So that's why the pre-testing counselling is very important. Not everyone will feel that they want to know. So um, we're all born with a certain set of genes and for most cases, we are unable to change any of it. So gene therapy is also advancing. There are certain single gene conditions where you can do gene therapy, but uh, for most conditions, you can't. So sometimes knowing something that you may not be able to change uh, makes some individuals feel like they have lost control and it's not an easy decision. Mm -hmm. So we always um, advocate understanding first and having the counselling before a test is done. So after a test is done, if somebody... So, so you have those that will um, understand about the test and then don't proceed because that's how they would... Um, like to have it mm. but not proceeding doesn't mean not understanding that there is a risk so they can do something about their own risk based on an estimation even though they don't proceed with a test now let's say they proceed with a test and they do have a certain profiles then whatever happens after that again it is about um, uh, very personal choices you know so, of course, you know, we always talk about Angelina Jolie, the famous actress who yeah. removed her healthy breasts and her healthy ovaries because she found that she was a carrier of a BRCA1 gene, uh, which makes her high risk to breast and ovarian cancer. Um, but that may not be a decision that other carriers will take. Right? They may go with other routes of screening and so on. So, what happens with the use of the genetic profile also is very personal. But mm. being able to understand the choices that ones have, that's where a genetic counsellor will come in. Mm. That's where we present it in a way that um, patients or individuals will uh, understand better and we look at where their values are. Um, Financial um, capabilities yes, as well. Financial right? capabilities, um, for sure. And uh, a lot of it is actually quite a... Um, there's a lot of emotions involved. There's a lot of... Um, because a lot of the decisions are never just made alone. So, um, you know, the shared decision-making between the individual and the spouse, for example, individual and the children. So those come into play and mm -hmm. giving them uh, a safe space to discuss about how they make their decisions and what their values are becomes very, very important. So the support actually and the reassurance that, um, you know, in some cases where the profile is not what you have wanted may not be all bad, but perhaps be used to empower the person to be able to uh, take some action instead. Yeah, and I can see where that counselling aspect of your profession is 
actually so important. You're not, you're not a technician. Um, you are dealing with people and their lives, right? And I imagine another area where genetic testing would be very emotionally fraught is for um, screening if you're a carrier of certain genetic um, conditions and for newborn screening, I presume? Yes. So across the reproductive field in particular, that has also taken a very uh, big leap. Um, so technology-wise, so in fertility and in fertility treatment as well, um, now it is more and more common to be able to do what we call pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. Um, but all these are actually uh, governed. So there are ethics behind it. You can't you know, tests for whatever that you fancy. So there are actually um, conditions and certain genes that you are allowed to do so in that sense. So so that's for um, reproductive options. And the carrier screening as well is also uh, taken up because as more and more individuals find out about their own um, genetic profile and um, or they don't want whatever that they may have to be passed on to the next generation. So carry screening is also starting to um, increase. Now, all of these are actually very expensive processes and very expensive procedures. So in a sense, we do see it more in a private setting. Um, but with the advancement of technologies, we really hope that the technology itself will be accessible to uh, as many people as possible. But again, careful understanding and uh, the provision of the psychosocial support to the ones doing the testing is really important. Mm. Um, it is, you know, in, in the reproductive field, um, firstly, wanting to have a child is a big decision. Yeah. Whether or not that can even happen becomes a big decision. Um, all of the uh, things that are involved. And when it comes to reproduction, you know, you have a lot of hormones in play as well. You know, So um, being able to provide that sort of uh, psychosocial support, then I feel it's really important. Um, so it's not just about the test. Mm. It is about the person. It is about what they wish to have um, using that uh, mm. genetic information. And so, will we ever get to a point where um, genetic testing is one day used um, almost like eugenics, right? Um, to choose the kind of person that you want with certain traits or is that purely science fiction? Um, Technology-wise, I guess you, 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 it's not impossible to see that vision. I mean, we've had very... Um, scary occurrences with even gene-edited babies mm. being born. Um, so that is, you know, almost to the uh, side of eugenics. Mm. But in the whole big picture, there are many, many groups that oversee the use of genetic information. So there are ethical considerations, there are board of ethics. Um, these are not, I mean, you can't exactly just run a service just, you know, in your house backyard <laughs> without uh, having proper governance over it. Mm -hmm. So I believe that as, as a society, um, we are, um, you know, a uh, majority of us, are in the right frame of mind to have uh, the responsibility and to be in, to be responsible enough to use the information correctly. Yeah, but there will be 
fine lines between, you know, what is an acceptable uh, disease risk mm. and what is not. Maybe not so much traits, but, you know, what is considered a severe enough disease that you would want to screen it out, right? Um so there will be some debates, quite a lot of debates about uh, some of these conditions. Mm, yeah. So I think that leads us to, I guess, where you see the challenges because this is an area that will continue to grow in leaps and bounds. Um, also challenges, I guess, that may specifically relate to the role and the development of genetic counsellors as well. Yeah. So again, it is about um, being aware, uh, being uh, being able to understand what it means to have a genetic profile done. And I think in Malaysia, maybe the awareness is still not up to mark yet, which is why, um, you know, we are having a conference, uh, Genetic Counselling Society Malaysia is going to hold a conference that are both for healthcare providers and for the public, which will be on the 10th and 11th of December. So come come and join us in uh this conference because we will be um, giving more information across the board about the use of genetic testing and, you know, um, how to uh, um, understand genetic information better. So creating the awareness and having it more um, uh, commonplace for, you know, for, for the lay public to know that this is ongoing and, but not use it as something like, uh, you know, this is uh, a special um, trending uh, yeah. thing to do, yeah. right? But the actual awareness of uh, why genetic information will eventually be very important for most people. So awareness is one thing, but uh, when it comes to the genetic counselling uh Component, So the training and to increase the number of genetic counsellors in the country becomes uh, very, very important. So the recommended ratio of a, you know, one genetic counsellor uh, to the population is one to 100,000. So in fact, ideally, we should have about 300 to 400 genetic counsellors in Malaysia. So we strive to work towards that. How many do we have now? Nine. <laughs> <laughs> we are moving towards, you know... I mean, ideal situation <laughs> in a developed country, I suppose. Um, so we're, we're actually did, uh, training more. But what's really important now is for us to be able to engage with the ministry. And we really hope the Ministry of Health will um, look into this and start creating um, the positions so that the goal is to have each hospital to have a genetic counsellor, mm. right? At least one genetic counsellor in each hospital, um, so that we are able to then work with the patients and the public in that area and to give them access to uh, genetic counselling services. Mm, definitely in the public health sectors is where the demand would be greatest. But I also understand what you're saying that um, awareness shouldn't be awareness to the extreme of the marketing, the commercialized uh, um, aspects of genetic testing. Uh, and I, I, that makes me think also of how genetic information could potentially be abused. I imagine that's also something that in this profession, you'll have to try and keep ahead of that. Um, for instance, could genetic discrimination actually be a reality? Yeah, so currently in uh, Malaysia, 
we do not have legislation that prevents the discrimination based on uh, genetic information. So there's no such law, which means it can be abused, right? But I trust that most employers, in the sense, you know, this is not something that they will they will ask or they would use it. Um, in the insurance setting, it's a little bit different. It's silent at the moment. We uh, don't really know whether. Uh, it is currently being used. Um, we suspect it is in certain conditions. Um, but because there is no legislation, there is no guidelines as well. So we're not sure exactly. Um, you don't know what you don't know. La. Yes. But what are some potential scenarios? So if, let's say, uh, let's say even just for cancer, even if someone is a carrier of a high-risk genes, it doesn't mean they will definitely develop the cancer, right? They are at higher risk. Right? So it will be quite unfair if this individual just loses uh, the ability to get insurance just because they are a carrier. So some of these really need to be uh, protected in a sense. And uh, Singapore, our closest neighbour, just earlier in the year has come up with the moratorium from the Ministry of Health in uh, Singapore, which states very clearly that genetic information cannot be used in any of the uh, insurance calculation. So that is, that is the goal that I think we want to achieve in Malaysia. Because with that assurance, all those who require genetic testing will then not be so afraid to do so. Mm. And if they're not afraid to do so, we are then able to find individuals who are at higher risk and we can help them manage that risk, which means we will catch diseases earlier, uh, we can treat them at a much lower cost, the treatment is easier. So that is that is the goal. So, you know, uh, hopefully Malaysia will follow um, Singapore very soon. We don't need to go direct into a law, but a moratorium that protects the uh, use of genetic information would be would be excellent. So currently, we don't even know whether this might be influencing certain decisions at all. Well, um, from what we have spoken to for most in the insurance industry, they have said that they don't actually ask. So they will not ask, you know, about your genetic test, whether you have done a genetic test. They won't ask whether, yes, any genetic information to give them. But they do ask if certain conditions are congenital. Mm -hmm. They do ask about family history. So that might raise suspicions in some uh, areas. But again, because there's no guidelines, we can't stop them from asking. Uh, all right. So that is the fear. Mm. So, so I don't think so. We've actually seen uh, a lot of reports where uh, uh, insurance have been denied... Um, you know, uh, be purely because of uh, genetic test reports. But, um, and, and those are for, you know, um, certain conditions. But currently, insurance already has um, excluded anything that's congenital, anything that, uh, you know, if a person is already at high risk, they would already um, discount all of those. So, but are you discounted if you declare you have family history? Depends on what sort of family history. Depends oh. on what sort of condition. I see. Uh, again, it is also quite biased in that sense. Mm, I see. So, a lot of grey areas here. A lot of grey areas mm. and we 
hope that maybe um, with some advocacy from the different groups, uh, from the um, disease groups, from, uh, you know, even the payers, uh, you know, for treatment and so on. So we really should advocate for a more fair type of uh, insurance calculations. Mm, yeah, just because um, there's so much you can learn from somebody's um, genetic profile doesn't mean it's cowboy, you know, kind of town, right? Um, yeah. Regulation, self-regulation and understanding of the risks of this information is, is really important. Are there any other challenges that you foresee as we grow this area? Um, so the psychological impact should really be taken into consideration as well. So with, I think, more and more recognition on uh, mental health issues and uh, emotional conditions of, uh, you know, and we thank, in a way, COVID for bringing it all up because now we see how we can all be uh, affected in many ways. Um, so similarly, genetic uh, information, if it's going to cause a psychological uh, harm in that sense, that also needs to be um, looked after. That area really should be looked after. We should be providing more uh, emotional and psychosocial support to individuals who may need it while they are going through the um, understanding of the information, but also how they can actually manage their risk. Because it's not a, it's not like a blood test for sugar. Mm-hmm. It's not just a one-time point, right? The information actually will be with you for the rest of your life. Um, and sometimes it's that. Uh, uncertainties here and there that really creates a lot of stress. Mm, absolutely. So all of these issues, I presume, you know, will be discussed during your upcoming conference and the public forum and people can um, ask questions there as well, right? Yes, absolutely. So we've got experts um, from all um, fields. We've got the main areas where genetic information is being used. Um, In fact, come for, uh, you know, we actually have a debate on whether or not genetic uh, profiling is bringing more harm than good. Mm. You know, there will be an exciting debate and we will have um, experts in the field to talk about the pros and cons. But more importantly, once we recognise what the issues are, we can do something about it and use um, genetic profiling, uh, you know, in a good way. All right. So where can people go to find out information about the conference? Um, Please go to the Genetic Counselling Society Malaysia website. Um, All of the information, registration uh, will be available. There are some uh, places um, available for free registrations for certain individuals who work with KKM or with the universities or with some of the societies. So please, please do visit the website and um, do come and join us. And it's also, it's a hybrid meeting. So if you are able to come for the physical meeting, that will be great. Um, If not, you can join us online and you can actually um, uh, view the entire conference online as well. Mm. And when will it be again? So it will be on the 10th and 11th of December. Okay. And uh, go to Genetic Counselling Society of Malaysia's website to register and find out more information. Um, So maybe you can share a final message 
um, just to encapsulate uh, everything we've talked about today. <laughs> uh, but you know, how you want people to start thinking about genetic testing as they're going about their daily lives right now. Okay, so um, genetic profiling with uh, using genetic testing is very powerful. It can tell us a lot about ourselves, um, but it is very important to be able to use the information correctly. So please do um, talk to a genetic counsellor or someone in a genetic service before you actually embark on any genetic test. All right. And uh, we have had a conversation together before um, about commercial genetic tests. So um, you can search for that podcast as well on our website or on our app. Search for Can a DNA Test Help Improve My Life? I spoke to Suk Yi and Dr. Azlina Abba Anwar um, for that particular discussion. It was really interesting as well. But thank you so much, Suk Yi, for everything that you've shared today. I've been speaking to Yun Suk Yi, President of the Genetic Counseling Society Malaysia. This has been Health and Living. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.